for sure a lot of things changed, but I think we were quite good at adapting. We weren't that used to working remotely, but we were used to collaborating and being innovative and changing and adapting to new situations. Hi, my name is Dina Yunieva, and I'm happy to welcome you at the very first episode of Humboldt Forum Wirtschaft Podcast. For this podcast series, we have invited our startup hoping alumni and asked them about their current business and corona crisis management. Today, we are happy to have Therese Sivitsen from Blinkist as our first special guest. Welcome, Therese. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about your position at Blinkist? So, hi, my name is Therese. I started working at Blinkist almost five years ago in August 2015, um, at the time when it was only 16 people. And I started in marketing and I've worked in different marketing functions at Blinkist. But since three years, my focus has been on video production and on creating ads for user acquisition, mainly online. So ads that you would see on Facebook, Instagram, sometimes also TV. Uh, and my role is as a creative producer. Humboldt Forum Wirtschaft visited Blinkist in November 2016. So at that time, I think there were around 35 employees and uh, Blinkist existed on the market about four years. Um, have many changes happened since uh, that time? So since um, the startup hopping, uh, I, I was surprised to learn how long ago it was. I do remember um, that very well. I'd been at Blinkist for a year uh, then. And since then, since uh, 2016, a lot has changed. Uh, now I think we are 160 employees, if not more, I'm not entirely sure. And uh, we've also added a handful of dogs to the team, about 10 or so different sizes and temperaments. Um, we've also surpassed 13 million users. I don't remember exactly how many we had back in 2016, um, but the When I joined, we made like our first million in revenue um, and we've increased that more than tenfold. So a lot of growth has happened. Um, we've also launched a lot of new content initiatives. So not just having um, key ideas from nonfiction books, but working with original podcasts and shows. And also quite recently, we launched nonfiction audiobooks at a very special membership price. So we have like a, um, a lot of new stuff in the app. And then we've also seen a lot of competition pop up, which I think sort of confirms that we're, um, that what we've long known at Blinkist, um, there is a strong need for services that curate and simplify the wealth of learning content in the world and then present these in the form of powerful ideas that are very easy for people to access. Many successes, I would say. <laughs> Sounds great. Uh, we have also received some questions from the actual startup hopping participants, which were there in 2016. They were very attentive and uh, they ask, is the USA still the biggest market for Blinkist? Uh, yes, the US is still our biggest market um, by far, but then followed by Germany, where we've seen quite a lot of growth um, in the last few years and a lot of increased brand awareness. Um, I think nowadays when you ask a German person if they know about Blinkist, a lot of people will say yes. Um, and that all comes from having had a really good and focused local strategy for the German-speaking region, um, thanks to a super dedicated country manager. So a shout out to, to Nora um, from Blinkist. She's done a great job. Um, does uh, the majority still use Blinkist during ironing? So I loved it when I read this question. Uh, I, I had to laugh because... 
I, I had completely forgotten and I really have to dig in my memory. Like it rings a bell uh, and I have to dig in my memory exactly who was it that said it. But no, like um, that's an interesting use case that is completely uh, gone out of my my um, my mind. But no, the most common use case is actually commuting. So people going to and from work, um, either by public transport or driving. Now, though, um, or that was the most common use case. Now, with the corona crisis and people sheltering in place, they don't really go to work anymore, or at least not um, in the volume that they used to. So at the moment, the use case is sort of um, is mm-hmm. still something we're exploring. Um, and uh, another question from our attentive listeners. Uh, and um, uh, did the business canvas that startup hopping participants developed during their visit help or led to the actual realizations of the ideas? I wasn't, unfortunately, there, but maybe you can remember. Was there a huge um, help to the business? Oh, I wish I could remember. Um, I, I honestly can't fully recall. I imagine and I think that it gave us a different perspective on the business back then. But as with startups and, and sort of this fast moving consumer tech service industry or whatever you want to call it, things change so quickly and have changed so many times since then. So uh, even if there were an impact, um, I think the business case has changed uh, since then. So it's hard for me to say. Um, I'm very happy that people remember and people who were there also asked these questions. Um, super thankful for that. So, Let me ask now about more serious business. Um, it was recently revealed that supposedly Apple intended to buy Blinkist. Would you personally wish it for the company you work at? Um, so as far as I understand, um, that that was a claim that hasn't really been validated. I don't remember exactly how the conversation went at Blinkist afterwards, um, but there were a lot of question marks. Um, if I would wish it for Blinkist, that's a really good question um, <laughs> and difficult one. So on one hand, I, I think that, of course, having such a, a strong uh, and big known company uh, behind you would bring in a lot of resources, be a powerful partner make us more competitive and so on but I really cost um, I think the company that I work for today would be the same um, if that would happen that doesn't mean that would be bad or good just different so I can't really answer that straight and now let me turn our conversation towards something you already mentioned briefly and that we all experiencing currently and this is coronavirus pandemic Um, what was or still is maybe your biggest concern about the corona crisis and Blinkist? So if I disregard anything um, sort of on a, what do you say, on a more bigger level or anything that doesn't concern the business, um, I would say that my biggest worry, I think, is that people will have, as a result of everything, like recession, losing jobs or income or whatever it may be, Um, the people in general will become a lot more careful with how they spend their money. Um, and that can make them a lot less willing to purchase app subscriptions like Linkist. I think mm-hmm. like, whereas people maybe used to have a subscription to, I don't know, to Netflix, to Spotify, to New York Times, to Linkist, to a learning app, to like and have a lot of different subscriptions. Maybe now they become a little bit choosier. And as a as an app, then you have to become really good at delivering value for the money that you ask for people 
Um, and I think that's our biggest challenge to, to yeah, uh, when people get a little bit less, less um, spendy, I don't know if that's the word, to then make, make them really see the value that we bring and, and choose us over other services. Technically, one may think that Blinkist is an online platform. It's the application for smartphones. It operates online. Did the company still have to adapt? Yeah, for sure. So um, with the products, yes, we quite quickly um, responded by launching some new initiatives that we thought would be more relevant as people were spending a lot more time at home. Um, it was quite lucky, uh, a lucky coincidence that we launched audiobooks at the same, roughly at the same time, something that we've been working on for a year. It came so maybe now that people are spending a lot of time at home, they will have more time in general to to dive deeper into the world of, of big ideas um, via nonfiction audiobooks. Um, so that was already underway. In terms of new initiatives, yes, we launched a lot and really went action mode. Uh, we launched a new podcast series called Checking In to sort of uh, bring in different perspectives on what it's like to live and work remote. Um, there have been a few, a lot of like curated book lists around uh, topics that people would be more interested in around now. And then it's also spurred and inspired a lot of exploration on um, on new content. So I think a lot of things happened right as we moved remotely. Same thing for what I work with. Instead of doing ads in our studio or bringing in actors we had to think what can we do being alone at home without mm -hmm. equipment without actors and so on so also our, our advertising changed and we try to um, make it more a, a very realistic interpretation or um, a, a very realistic we say demonstration or presentation of what we're going through and sort of use that as a starting point for for telling people about Blinkist and, and its value. So for sure, a lot of things changed, but I think we were quite good at adapting, um, probably because um, we already work a lot um, with, we collaborate a lot, but we uh, we use digital tools a lot. We weren't that used to working remotely, um, but we were used to collaborating and being innovative and, and changing and adapting to to new situations. So I think that was really a strength for us. I hope, yeah. hope that answers the question. Yeah, totally. And uh, sounds like you've been very busy since the beginning of the crisis. Yes. Um, <laughs> we also have seen that um, there were some free usage of premium accounts introduced. Um, is that correct? Yeah, so uh, if I remember correctly, so we did a lot of updates to the app uh, at the beginning of this year. So one initiative was um, for people who had maybe been introduced to Blinkist before all this happened. Um, they were given free access to sort of rediscover Blinkist in its uh, new, new fancy, uh, in its new fancy clothes, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So that was one initiative. And then another initiative was to open up parts of the app uh, for 30 days, um, which would have ended today, I guess. But I, I think that might be extended as, um, yeah, as things unfold. We're making decisions sort of on the fly. 
as I guess anyone is nowadays with the future mm -hmm. so uncertain. Uh, would you say it was uh, solely from the social responsibility point of view or did you maybe uh, expect to attract also new customers with these measures? So um, I would say both. Um, I would love for it to only be motivated by social responsibility, but in the end we're a business and um, if the business doesn't make money, then we can't keep people employed and that's an important part of the whole ecosystem. Um, but I think it was an initiative that was very much driven from team members. So it's not a top-down decision. Blinkist functions very uh, um, with quite flat hierarchies anyway, and uh, there's a lot of room for employees to propose ideas. And I think this is one of uh, one of those that it was a very uh, team member-driven initiative. People felt very motivated to do something like that, something that people would have uh, had wanted to do for a long time to open up more parts of the app to people and really show, hey, look at all these great things that we've been working on um, for the purpose, ideally, of making people see the value and, and, and getting value out of it. Then, of course, secondary, if people see value in it, then they might be more inclined to stick around even after the free access. As far as I understand, uh, the whole team works now from home and it sounds like it has been an option before. So was it easy to move every employee work to working at home? Um, from what I've been able to gather, yes, there haven't been any, any massive uh, uh, difficulties with that. And it was quite, it all happened quite quickly. I guess this I think this mirrors maybe a lot of people's experience with how things started unfolding that almost within a week you went from the beginning of the week, people being very calm to the end of the week, people being like, whoa, I'm not going to go outside anymore. Um, and that's that was sort of the experience very much um, for me as well, where at the beginning of the week things seemed normal. And then on Thursday it was like, okay, we've actually decided that come Monday, everyone uh, will go into home office at least for two weeks. We'll see how long. Of course, like that's only my, uh, what I saw, the work had been going on for a long time and it had been a discussion for some time. So it wasn't, um, yeah, it wasn't a spontaneous reaction, but uh, they put mm -hmm. a lot of thought into it. I think the biggest difficulty for people has been um, pairing home office and being alone and isolated with all these new initiatives because it becomes really hard for people to switch off and I think a lot of people have found themselves working way more than than they usually would. Yeah I think we also can associate with that even even from home office for studying. Yeah I can imagine. Uh, one more question about uh, Blinkist itself. Do you currently see any changes in user behavior? Well, you've already mentioned that uh, usage might have changed, but it's not yet clear when the people listen to Blinkist, but uh, maybe uh, certain times of the day or maybe the certain categories. Yeah, it's been quite interesting. So as I mentioned uh, before, it's always been commute. That's been our strongest use case. It's also what, we, um, what our marketing center is around. Um, but what we've seen, so commute has disappeared. We've seen that instead of using it in the morning, people have moved to using it more during the evening, which is quite interesting that I, uh, my impression is that that's a spot that's usually referred for more entertainment. Um, so it's interesting that people are, are using it during the evening and then also during weekends, a lot more. Saturday used to be our worst day and now we're seeing an uptick on Saturdays. So yeah, it's it's we're still watching it and and trying to understand 
how it develops and it develops from week to week. But uh, those are two strong trends that we've seen. Maybe in the new categories, crisis management is now spiking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's actually also really interesting. So where it might have been, uh, I don't remember exactly, but let's say that business and, and career leadership and uh, productivity have been really high. A few categories that have moved up have been things like uh, mindfulness um, philosophy, health and nutrition and uh, sex and relationships. So it's reflected in the new reality that people find themselves in. It's also the kind of content that they look for. Um, now more uh, personal, but also career question. Uh, what have you learned so far from the crisis? Ooh, that's a tricky and big question. Uh, I think I've learned so much. Um, haven't really been able to unpack it all yet. Maybe the biggest one is just how incredibly lucky um, and and I am and how good I have it living in a country like Germany that um, has really shown that it has its people's backs to uh, a large extent and many freelancer friends who um, have been uh, getting payouts from the government and a lot of people have been helped by the um, Kurzarbeit for example. So that has made me feel really secure about where I am in the world, um, but it's also made me see, yet again, it's just like another reminder of how incredibly unjust and uh, unequal our world is and how much it matters where you're born um, and what opportunities you've had handed to you. Like when things get really um, challenging, then all that matters so much. And it's all down to luck in the end. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite big abstract but that's something that I've been thinking a lot about lately. Um, as I mentioned already we all moved into online semester and we study from home so do you have any uh, tip uh, for our listeners how to stay productive in the home office? Um, how to stay productive in the home office so the biggest change for me was really to move my office spot away from I live in a one-bedroom flat I had my office in the living room bedroom space and that made it impossible for me to um, switch off and, and um, feel productive. So I made a switch and moved my little office into the kitchen. So that mm -hmm. has been a huge, um, a huge differentiator for me at least. And then I'm, I'm very, very strict about the time. So I don't start working earlier than 10 um, and I, I don't work longer than six to really and make it a block of time uh, that is work so that it doesn't seep into my free time. That also helps me be focused and productive because it's so easy otherwise to just wake up and start working immediately and then just work late into the night because um, the, you don't have to leave. You don't have to go anywhere like the office. You ideally have to leave at some point. Um, so you don't have this clear sort of end of the day until when you have to finish things unless you artificially sort of create those um, and for me that has been really important as well as exercising a lot um, making sure that I get out regularly etc but yeah nothing nothing too out there to be honest just this making sure to really time box work hours and if possible I know that might not be possible for everyone but move the office space away from your leisure space in the home. Thank you. Amazing tip. I guess uh, many students can really associate with that. Yeah. So it will really help. Thank you very much. 
Thank you. Thank you, Therese. I think uh, this was all from our side. Um, we wish you all the best and, of course, stay healthy. Oh, you too. Stay healthy and good luck with uh, with your studies. I imagine it's exams coming up this summer and, and thesis and whatnot. Uh, I wish you all the best. This was How FS Startup Podcast, Episode 1 with Therese Sivitson from Blinkest. Next time, we will meet Adam Parkin from Black Lane. Stay tuned and have a great day.